1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. Hey, listeners, you are about to hear a little snippet from our Bellamy International Art Competition, Second Slice, a.k.a. the Great Surrealist Paint-Off. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, that's okay, it. I was that, like, that's it, the one. Is it the wah, wah, wah? <laughs> okay, because that's not good. We wanted to do something special for our patrons to round out the year, so we made our very first ever video episode. <laughs> we cover a ton of artists from medieval times on up to the Surrealists. So head on over to patreon.com slash artslicepod to watch the full almost two hour long ep- I can't believe it ended up being two hours long. Almost <laughs> almost two hours long. To watch it all at any donation level and know in your heart of hearts listeners that you are helping us continue to make Art Slice into the next year. We also coordinated our outfits today for you. We did. Uh, specifically. Russell copied me. <clears throat> no, no, As per no. Usual. All right, Stephanie, set the stage for us here. What are we feeling? Mm. What are we seeing? What are we tasting? All right. First of all, we are squinting because of the sunshine. We are tasting the musk of lots of sweaty men in woolen three-piece <laughs> oh, suits. Oh, God, no, no, no. Because, no. <laughs> be- yes, yes, because we are in Hollywood it's the mid-1940s and the now figurehead of surrealism, much to the chagrin of André Breton, is Salvador Dali. I don't want a fascist in my club, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Breton, <laughs> like, Breton's in America now. Like, he has to deal with fascism and, and people who are, you know, playing footsie with fascists. Get over it, Breton. Yeah, we have freedom the, of speech here. Yeah, okay? we, got, we got some freedom of speech. We're, we're we, and here. we have a lot of trolls. <laughs> we have a lot of footsie fascist trolls. It's great. We love it here. You'll like it, leave. I, I wish I could. Anyway, <laughs> I wish they'd let me. They make it so hard to leave. Um, okay, so right. I wish Dal- it was that easy. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Dali is having his Hollywood moment. Okay, he did have one, in case you were wondering. Mm. Um, and he's working with Alfred Hitchcock for a layout and the design of a pivotal dream sequence in the movie Spellbound. That does sound great, Stephanie. You did say Alfred Hitchhawk, which sounds a lot like Hamhawk. So Hitchhawk? Hitchhawk. Is that what I said? <laughs> yeah. We are we are very aware <laughs> there are cameras on us, and I don't like it's strange. We'll get used to it, I promise. I promise. That's why this is a Patreon episode. Sorry, patrons. You're a little test subjects. Also, does you want to see this behind the scenes awkwardness? <laughs> a lot of this gets cut. So the sequence is nice, but it, it's too jarringly dolly. It's it's like when yeah. they put like like product placements in f- in films, you know, where the Pepsi logo is perfectly centered in in Mac and Me. <laughs> <laughs> the dance sequences at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, Dolly, um, he was even talking to Walt Disney and other fascists about what would become. Uh, I think it's called Destino, a short animation that Disney initially decided not to release. Uh, but I think it was like twenty ish years ago they they ended up uh, releasing it. They ended up finishing it and releasing it. It's very Dolly, very Dolly. Mm. And Disney. Yeah. No? Both? More, more, more doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. And kind of anime now that they've redone it 20 years ago to kind of keep up with the kids. I'm very interested to see what that looks like. The kids love their animes. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> as World War II is wrapping up, Dragon Ball Z's, people's eyes have once Doritos. again been open to the horror and suffering caused by war. Um, and surrealism is now on the verge of becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, just kidding. Uh, so, generally, films like Hitchcock's, uh, they <laughs> confront difficult subject matter and they become more and more commonplace. One such film was Albert Lewin's 1945's adaptation of Oscar Wilde's novel, Picture of Dorian Gray, which many of you have probably heard of, but if not, just know that it has a painting that is central to the entire story. Yeah, it was a talkie uh, that was originally (laughs) in black and white, except for the infamous painting when it appeared on camera, they spliced in some Technicolor, 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 Um, (laughs) so that the most famous grotesque painting in the film could jar people in the audience and, you know, make them eat popcorn or snuggle up to their date or whatever. Right. So the movie was a hit. And to this day, it still has a positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes and INDB. And the director, Albert Lewin, thought, hey, People love that. So why mess with the recipe? Mm. So he's like, I'm going to do the exact same thing for my next movie. But this time, I'm going to choose a much lesser known book. Mm. (laughs) And instead of just commissioning a painting from an indie artist that was recommended to me, maybe, uh, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to hold a whole ass competition. And the artist winner will be featured in the film in glorious Technicolor Technicolor. 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 And maybe I'll make their career. We'll see. Who knows? I have that power, he said, in my mind. (laughs) So the movie would be named The Private Affairs of Bellamy, Mm. a sexier title for the 1885 novel Bellamy by Guy de Maupassant. Guy Muffin Pants. (laughs) Guy of Muffin Pants. You can make muffins with Guy, right? Unrelated. Feeling bready. Okay, so, (laughs) all right. So, of course, there is a sexier movie poster as part of the promo Mm -hmm. stating the history of the scoundrel with a young woman, a young Angela Lansbury, actually. What? Clinging onto the pinstripe pants of the main character. Murder, she wrote Angela Lansbury? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Very young. All right. And she's. Oh, I see it. Pinstripe clinging is what's (laughs) happening, and her bare shoulder is exposed. (gasps) Oh. <gasps> Spoiler alert! We, like we tried to watch this, huh. it, it, we tried to watch it on YouTube. It is a snoozer. Yeah. The movie did not recapture that picture of Dorian Gray magic. It, it, I don't think it was just our 21st century ADHD. Okay, it was just like th- this was not liked at the time of its release either. Right, right. But if you want to give it a try, it's available on YouTube in seven parts, right. thanks to user Wobble 108. Shout, how- shout out! Shout, shout out Wobble Wobble 108. As far as we can tell, the protagonist is a toxic pickup artist who, to quote the New York Times 1947 review, is a, quote, scoundrel, but what a monotonous prig. Prig, I had to look this up, it it basically means Puritan. So a boring Puritan scoundrel, which is kind of what we deal with today, everywhere. Okay. Uh, Who offers up negging gems like love and marriage are two entirely different subjects, end quote. Basically, he (laughs) uses his sexual prowess, you can see it here. In the pant leg, I guess, 
Um, he kind of looks like Vincent Price, so I'm not really sure mm. how that's working out for him. Anyway, uh, his wealth and excess. He uses his prowess, his wealth and excess to climb the Parisian social ladder, which like all dirtbags includes collecting art for far less than it's worth so that you can make a profit on it one day. So this this movie's doomed. OK, but no one knows this yet. Ovs, we have the gift of hindsight. Uh, and the artists that will participate in said competition also don't know yet. They could also definitely use this money. Okay. So back to the competition. It would aptly be named the Bellamy International Art Competition. Okay. And you couldn't just sign up if you're wondering. You could. There was no list. Okay. You had to be specially invited. Mm. And 12 artists were, okay. including the artist that was in the original picture of Dorian Gray okay. movie. You painted the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, which is kind of a slap in the face yeah. to him. Um it's more it's more fun to make the starving artist dance for the Benjamins, I guess. Okay. Um but anyway, since surrealists were all the rage, most of the artists invited were in fact surrealists. Yeah, and you think the original painter starts seeing the uh the, the list, <laughs> the roster of artists that are going to be on it and he's like, I'm not I don't know how I fit in with this. I'm True. not surrealist. Like, what's going on here? True. But also, <laughs> each artist would get $500 for participating okay. and an additional 2500 if they were the winner. And I looked at this up, listeners. Don't worry. Of course. $500 in today's money is $8,000. Fuck! And $49,000 <laughs> for winning the oh competition. Oh, my God! Which is like a year's salary for most, which way more than a year's salary for a lot of people. Yeah. But for that's still that's still pretty good. And money, I think, bought more back then because houses were like 200 bucks. Yeah. These yeah. artists, these artists wanted to compete in this. They were happy sure. to compete. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Slap together a painting real quick. Call right. it a day. Right. Um, but the artists would be given a very specific assignment and they would be judged on aesthetic quality mm. along with how they interpreted the assignment. And of course, there would be a panel of judges to ultimately decide the winning artist. All right. Let's meet our judges. Okay, so this director, Albert Lewin, also yeah. never heard of him before now. Right. He must have really been in the know or known someone in the know. Right. Because the panel consisted of Marcel Duchamp. Markale. Markale, famous chess player and art consultant, OG Dadaist, and Maria Marchin's boy toy. Then we have Alfred H. Barr, the first director of the huh. Museum of Modern Art, the MoMA, in New York City. New York City. New York City, who curated several influential shows in his career, including Fantastic Art, Dada, and Surrealism, which we just covered right. in Dorothea's episode. Mm -hmm. He also gave a big show to Diego Rivera and one to Charles Birchfield as well, just to name a few that we've covered on the show. Also, this is the first time I've seen his face. <laughs> I, this is not what I was picturing at all. Uh, he's uh, quite bookish. Yeah. Quite Quite bookish, he's yeah. Good, yeah. He's, I like I, it. I would cast him in a movie. He's yeah. approachable. Like, yeah. He's approachable. Yeah. So his groundbreaking shows helped shape the way that modern art was viewed back then, and it's the way that we remember it now. So he's a second <laughs> judge. Last judge is Sidney Janis. Never heard of him, but he was an art collector and a gallery owner in New York City. New York City. New York City, who promoted the abstract expressionists as well as pop art. Um, Alfred H. Barr actually once said of him that he was, quote, the most brilliant New Dealer in terms of business acumen to have appeared in New York since the war. And this is his Oscar 
fo- photo, his Oscar headshot. <laughs> his headshot. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a nice yeah. guy. I'm always down for um, an advocate of art, obviously. When he died, he bequeathed his huge ass collection of art to the MoMA. These judges also knew each other, and it seems like what they have in common is that they are definitely advocates for up-and-coming artists and new movements, showing the public that hates don't be afraid of this work. It's worth something. But we're the judges this time. Yeah. Yeah, so just forget about these people. (laughs) On to our first contestant, Ivan Albright. Albright is a returning champion of sorts. He was the man behind the... 